You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to The Elevator's Cut. I'm Roger Gaddis. And I'm Jason Wheeler. And today, we're not going to talk about spread you eat. We're going to talk about spread you set. What do you say, Jason? <laughs> That's right. Really put it up on a tee for us today there, Roger. I appreciate that intro. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Good stuff. No, uh, it's an interesting part of, of our world, the basis trading world and the agriculture world in general, the grain world, I should say. Spreads, they are a... I know for, for us teaching people basis trading, sometimes we're teaching people from scratch or even the season basis traders, spreads are the thing they're most uneasy about or, or you know, it's hard, harder to grasp or feel comfortable that I'm really on top of spreads, you know. So uh, so we wanted to, to spend a little time today, talk about spreads, how they affect folks in our, our world, in our spheres. And we probably won't be able to talk about everything that has to do with spreads today, but We'll have a, a nice foundational thing, and we're gonna we'll have more episodes on spreads, I'm sure. So yeah, I think a good place to start with spreads is terminology. This is some understanding out here of what we're talking about. So when we say a spread, specifically uh, for grain, and, and and there's a couple different ones. Um, you have freight spreads, you have future spreads, you have cash spreads, um, but I think what we're gonna really focus on today is future spreads, which is simply the relationship of two futures months. Uh, and, and when you discuss future spreads, um, it probably is best to talk about them uh, in a way that everyone else talks about them. That's, that's common terminology. So everybody is on the same page, so to speak. So, uh, and, and I know there's some regional differences, but, but in general, I think what we'll say in here, in this circle of trust we have in here today, would go anywhere. So if you look at a at a at a spread, there's a relationship between two futures months. So we are here almost at Cinco de Mayo, right, Randy? Yes. Randy just celebrated May Day, the workers' parade thing on the first. So uh, we know four days later we celebrate the uh, pinata thing. Anyway, so we look at here. We're uh, say for corn or beans or wheat even. All three, you've got the trifecta. We are trading things off of the July futures for nearby. So when we compare July futures to any other futures out ahead, that's a spread we're talking about relationship. Whether it's the month right after or a year out, it doesn't matter. That's the relationship we're talking about. So you got a couple of different scenarios. You can have a carry spread market, which is just means that a deferred month is at a higher price level than the nearby month. That's a carry. Or you well defined. Well defined. Succinct is the word I think you were looking for. Or an inversion, an inverse, which is when the deferred month is uh, the price of the deferred month's future is lower than the nearby. That that's it. And then if you're right at the middle of the road, you'd have a flat market where the futures uh, for the nearby and the deferred are trading at the exact same level. That would be your three market structures, if you will. There you go. And now, 
the carries and inverses, they communicate something to folks looking at the market. Now, sometimes they communicate things that, that aren't so, that people just create in their minds. Uh, sometimes they, hopefully, uh, what we're going to talk about today is what they what they should indicate to you. So a carry spread, meaning, hey, this nearby is 350 and the next one is 360 and the next one is 370 and so on. Uh, it gets a little higher the farther out in the future you go. That's your carry market. And that is what you typically see in, and we've, we've seen for the last few years, uh, in corn and beans and wheat and everything, is when you have plen- plentiful supply, uh, there's not a big demand scare or concern. So that that is is the typical market structure from there. And the, and the opposite's true of inverses, right? So uh, when the when the each further month is a little less or a lot less, depending on the situation, that means uh, we're we're out of stuff. And the, and the reason that happens is, you know, we like to say you know the markets can can be kind of like a. Phil, Phil Luce says, like a screaming baby, you know, it, it just wants stuff now. Because if you think about it, it's like, all right, well, if we're out of something, if, if you know, let's say it's March and we've got till fall before harvest and supplies are already tight, we need to ration it, right? If, it, if the market was going to ration it until then, maybe it needs to make it a little more out there to incentivize you to hold it because we're not, we're going to run out, right? So, so you would think maybe along those lines. Um, I'm using a lot of hand motions today for some reason, so I Indeed. hope everyone appreciates it. But Roger's eyes are all over the place trying to follow what I'm saying. But anyways, um, but, but what actually happens is the market's a screaming baby, right? It's the, the Phil Loose thing. The market wants wants what it wants in the nearby, and it, it's all nearby focus. You know, the majority of the volume in the futures market is is all in the nearby. So what happens is when you have – a, um, well, when you don't have very much volume around, the market says, feed me, feed me, and I'll pay all I can right now because I'm short. Of, of, so I'm not worried about the what comes in the future. It doesn't matter. I'll pay, you know, I need what I need right now. Uh, so so what happens is the nearby gets pushed up and the deferreds at, as a, in, in relation to the nearby are lower than the nearby. So, And, you know, for the layman's, terms if you look at it say you have a dog and you only have <clears throat> one bag of dog food to get you through the next year are you going to save that food and give the dog a little bit each each month no probably die you're going to feed all you can right now and then you're going to take it out and shoot it when you run out of feed <laughs> or something but that's and that's uh, I think that's a great analogy because that's what the market does. You give it what they got, and then it's dead. You don't want to do anything else. <laughs> Roger, you're killing our audience here. I mean, with with killing dogs on this show. It's, people love dogs. I love dogs. Why don't you hate dogs? That was aflatoxin. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, no, but this is this is our our thing. So, what does the carries and inverses? How do what do they mean to us as basis traders? So this is the Elevators Cut podcast. This is for the elevators. How do the elevators use spreads? How do they interact with spreads? People say, ah, oh, you know, big carry markets, elevators make a bunch of money when there's big carry markets. If there's no carry, elevators can't make money in those years. Is that accurate, Roger? No. Okay, I didn't think so. Because, I mean, Roger, as someone who's run a grain elevator for many years, uh, you have made some of your best margins ever in years where there were no carries. Is that 
accurate? Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Roger's excellent with the uh, with the yes or no questions. Is is wonderful. But yes, the market does indicates okay how how flush are we with with supply or not with the spreads. But it's not an indication necessarily of price movement or anything like that. But it is an indication of that. So to a basis trader, it's an indication that um, that a basis trader will be rewarded if they're carrying grain in a carry market, right? You carry the basis forward and you pick up those rolls. How do they do that, Roger? They have to own the grain. So, uh, w- which we say a lot, and it's been, you know, you've been on ag Twitter, Twitter in the last forever. You see whenever a carry comes up, that's, you know, that's the whole tongue-in-cheek. Oh, you got to sell the carry. Well, that's true. And if you're a basis trader, you have to have bought the physical grain, and then what part did you sell? Well, you sold futures. That's selling the carry. And you lock it in carry, whether you've hedged it nearby or the deferred, whatever it is, you have to you have to capture that market structure. Because, again, if I'm out here, I've got to get returned to my bin space, and I've got some ownership here, and there's a carry market out into the future – the only way to get to grab that is to, you know, get it sold, get it set, get it locked in. Because the, the danger is it, it disappears on you, flattens out, and you carry a bunch of grain for little to no re- reward. You know, then again, this is net of basis movement, but this is just purely, you know, future structure. Um, you, you have to own it. You know, a, a lot of times, and we've, I think we've said this before in other episodes, is when you see, uh, particularly out west, these piles and piles of wheat that are just sitting out here, and you think, yeah, these guys are making the killing because all the carries in the wheat markets. Mm-hmm. If if the buyers own the stuff that they're they've got out there, they're carrying. If it's on storage, no, they're they're, they're earning a penny and a half a month or whatever cheap storage rate is being charged out there, and the producer's got no value out of it. He's just paying for the privilege of not pricing. And so uh, carries doesn't matter. Nothing's sold, you know, so the grain has to be owned. That, that's the big key is the, the grain has to be owned in order for the merchandiser to sell futures against it to lock in a carry. Right. The, the only way carries are captured is by, by the, ba- so two ways. One, by the, by the basis trading commercial is they have to get it bought and hedged in the, you know, hedged in the nearby or hedged, but you have to, to buy it, hold it, but you, you have to have it at a price, right? Uh, so a lot of people, like like Roger's saying, hey, grain elevators must be making a fortune in these big carry markets. Well, not if they don't do a good job buying. Because if they wait late in the year and they just buy it whenever the farmer sells and, you know, that that's late, late in the year, maybe they don't have any choice but to immediately sell it. They're not picking up any carry. They're back-to-back in it, basically, late in the year. They pick up some fees, and in some parts of the world it's not near enough to uh, – to keep the lights on really. And then they wonder, I wonder why, why we're not making money. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and we even see it with some of these big companies that, I mean, why I read the articles or, you know, see it in the, Hey, the quarterly, whatever. Cause these are publicly traded companies in a lot of cases. And it's like, Oh, well, we lost to this many millions of dollars this quarter. How, how in the world could they do that? They got huge carries and the, shouldn't the grain elevator business be great. Well, not necessarily, right? If if you're not if you're not getting ownership, uh, and you can't take advantage of those carries. Now, the other side of that, as far as farmers taking advantage of carries, you have to be able to sell things into the future. You sell it right now for the deferred, because a lot of times farmers will see, 
um, you know, hey, like I said before, it's 350 now, and or, or, you know, it's harvest time. It's 350, and but there's a Jan bid for 372. So I got bins. I'm gonna. I'll just wait. I can pick that up. I'll pick up the carry like the elevator does. But guess what? If it's the grain's not sold, you didn't pick that up unless unless you actually. I agree. There's 22 cents there, but there's only 22 cents if you sell it that day right. for January, February, or whatever. So that is. Uh, so what happens a lot of times? What we've seen over the last few years, because we've got these big supply markets, that is the mentality. And then you get to January, February, and whole. Uh, price is three forty seven. It didn't do anything, you know. So, um, it, it's a it's a tragedy, really. People misinterpret what spreads mean. They don't mean hey, prices are going to be higher later. Right. Prices are higher later if you sell right now. That's it. And in these big supply markets, we don't see big run ups in the in the price. So you roll to the next futures month, and it will call the down escalator. Eventually, it finds its way back mm-hmm. to where the price was before. You right. Know? And, and to kind of put into perspective what you just said on the down escalator, it's like if we look back even at this year, you know, if we look at where, say, December 18 corn rolled off the board, 375 or something like that. And then we look at where March rolled off the board at the end of February. It was around 375. We look at where, where May roll off the board last week. Well, it was actually a little lower than that, I think. So, you know, that's the down escalator. It's It's – in these big crop years, uh, when there's a big supply, that's what happens. It, it, it deteriorates over time. So that's why we're saying you got to sell it. And also to Jason's point about the producer side, <clears throat> one of the most underutilized, um, I, I, I guess, perspectives, you'd say, for the producer on selling the carry is that you don't have to own bins to sell the carry as a producer. If we're sitting here in May – and nearby corn's 350 and harvest is trading at 380 cash price you could sell new crop delivered corn and you just sold the carry you picked up the carry and you don't have to carry this stuff what you don't have to carry it to get the carry that's incredible it's free it's because it's pre-harvest you don't have to top someone else's space or time there's no space or time cost aside of harvest for new crop grain and that right there, I think if guys would just look at it that way a little bit better, that would um, entice more people to seriously consider it. Now, maybe it's a spot where prices aren't no good, even where they're at with a carry for a new crop. doesn't matter. That will change at some point, and it will be. Um, but being able to understand the perspective of how to sell the carry doesn't mean it has to be post-harvest. doesn't mean it has to be in your own farm bins. It could be to the elevator pre-harvest. Yeah. That's a that's a huge point, and and the farther ahead you sell, the more carry you can you can capture in that in that instance. I, a great example of that has been wheat over the last several years. If you look at the just kind of take the monthly averages uh, ahead of harvest and what you could sell, uh, it selling ahead right versus what the harvest is on average. When you're harvesting the crop before, you should be selling the crop ahead because there's the wheat carries have been so huge, right? So at, over the last um, ten years, on a ten-year average for soft wheat, you could have sold a dollar a bushel better by selling one year before, like one full calendar year before, before you harvested. So this is not having any bins, like Roger's saying. This is selling the carry be, uh, on stuff you've not produced yet, but will be producing. So that a, a dollar a bushel ahead by just selling one year ahead and. 
I, I mean, you could go go farther than that because those, those carries are just year over year over year. Mm-hmm. When you got, what was it, 67% carry over multiple years, Jeez. you know, it's, it's, uh, there's big carries or there have been, and, uh, that's been a big opportunity. So it was big and soft, but it was big and hard too. I think 80 cents or so was that number in, in hard weeks. So that's, that's been a, a, a big thing for sure. Yeah. Weed's always been exaggerated like that. Um, I'd say always for as long as I've been trading it. <clears throat> but the other thing about that is, is uh, the the kickback that you get from producers on selling, especially weed, a year out? Which hey, it's a year out. I understand. And you, maybe you don't plant. Maybe you die. Maybe something happens. You don't have a crop next year. You're afraid to for a contract because that one time in '08 had to buy out. Well, the deal is if you're if you're forward contracting when the market tells you to do so and you're doing it at the most opportune time, you're selling it probably towards the top end of the market range for that year. Granted. The 2012s happen where there's a drought and all that kind of stuff, or 07 Easter freeze, that kind of stuff happens. But that's kind of the outlier. But if you're selling towards the top end of the market and you're worried about production when you get to harvest, you're probably in a good spot equity-wise on that contract to do something with, whether it's rolling it to the following year, rolling it into another crop, something like that, if you're selling high. And if you're selling low and have a production shortfall, okay, I get it. But, you know, what this is advocating is being proactive and selling towards the top end just be, just by seasonals, just by going off the seasonals. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest, a year ahead, you're not selling extreme percentages sure. of your production anyways. You're definitely not going to get anywhere close to even your insurable levels. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there are uh, there are protections for sure yeah. to, to do that. Um, so, back uh, another angle for spreads here um, is how – do how do elevators use inverses? Can they use inverses? Because when the market's in, just like carries are an opportunity for you to buy and carry things and and profit from those carry, pick up those carries if you will. Uh, so inverses, can we? Can you actually do the opposite? You can't. Can you? How do you do that, Roger? Oh, Tell it's us. it's it's beautiful. So inverse is you. The idea is for the basis traders, you sell first and buy later, which typically is priced later. And, uh, you know, this was real common almost every year in, in summertime beans up until a couple of years ago. We would have uh, mixed market structure. So coming out of harvest, you'd have some carry. And then May forward or July forward on beans, you'd have flat or inverted markets because that's we would use or export most of the beans in the country through the middle of marketing year. And then it would then we'd run out and spreads would reflect that. So you're trading both sides of the spread curve that way. Um, but as far as inversions uh, and, and getting back to what you said about, you know, some of the best years I had at the elevator was was when we lost a crop. 2011 comes to mind uh, in southeast Kansas at burn up was that we had some um, um, a big, good carry spreads set on. And um, and when we got to harvest and maybe this was 2012, I guess it was 2012, not 11. But anyway, we had some good carry set on to carry the grain. Well, we didn't have the grain and the spreads inverted. So we did what the market said and what little grain we did have. We sold. We removed the spreads we had and made some fantastic margins on that because those carries went away. So for the basis trader, for the merchandiser, you're you're locking in carries mostly as a defensive mechanism so that you have the ability to, to do your merchandising plan as you need to be, which, which is all a, 
the only reason you you manage spreads is to allow you to have some control over the connection between when you buy the grain and when you sell it or when you sell it when you buy it. That's all a spread that's good for. And I remember Mr. White saying, you know, the the worst thing that a basis trader can have on for a spread is an opinion. You know, you just need it to do its job to allow you to merchandise. And then when market conditions change, you change with it. And that can happen a few times within the same season. That's right. Yeah, that's a that's a big point is on not having an opinion on a spread. If you're a basis trader, one, you're hedged all the time, so price doesn't matter. And if you're managing spreads, you're not trying to guess which way spreads are going to go. But what you're doing, I like to look at it as you're, you're kind of every day the market has an offer. Just like to a farmer, the market has an offer for a price for this year, for right now, for spot, for for three months from now, for harvest, for what whatever. It, is, it has an offer. Um same thing for basis traders is the market says, hey, D May is 26. I will pay you 26 cents to carry corn from harvest until April. Do, do you want that? And the, each day the elevator can say, yeah, that's good enough for me or nope, it's not. And, and, uh, and can put a target order in just like a farmer can, can, uh, can do that. And it's not about trying to guess, well, what is the highest possible spread it's ever going to be right? No, it's, of course you want to get as good as you can get, right? Just like a farmer, Mm -hmm. but we need to decide, well, what's reasonable and attainable and makes makes my business run and allows me to capture what I'm supposed to each year and and you know keeps me in business. So finding what's profitable, have it you can have targets in and, and you can manage that piece. And so the like I said, go back to and so what I want to bring back to what some of the stuff you had said is it makes that offer, but then that offer changes every day. Right. So so what happens is May is twenty six cents and you say, man, you know, it only takes that's however many months was it five five six months maybe yeah. from harvest okay yeah, call it five it's good okay five six months from harvest well and and it cost me two cents a month to carry corn so I got ten to twelve cents a cost in it it's paying me twenty six cents I can make money off that I it'll cover my costs and give me a profit plus hopefully some basis improvement too so that yes maybe maybe you take that and the market says we in at this at that point. We anticipate maybe it's March, uh, a year out, you know, in front of the crop. And it says, we anticipate we're going to have a big crop. We've got carryover. We've got a bunch of people planning to plant corn, all this stuff. Life, life's good. And we think there will be plenty. So there's there's carry in the market because of that. Should be plenty. So we need to pay people to carry it. You're an elevator. You say, I'll do it. I'll jump on that grenade for you and pick up my 26 cents. Sounds like a plan. So you can set it. Right, you can set that spread before you've bought or sold anything, and it's managing your risk. And that risk is exactly what you were talking about. With what happens, we hit a big drought. China comes in and decides to buy all of our corn units, please. <laughs> Whatever unit you measure it in, we want them all, please. <laughs> Tunnies with an E. Yeah, I mean, who knows? So you, that happens. So all the corn gets wiped out, and they. I don't know. They bury it with all them dead pigs. I don't know what they would do with it, but say they did, and they 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 take it all. Out. So so we go into harvest pretty bare, and then we don't grow a crop or something. And 2012 happens, right? We don't have corn practically, and the spreads go away. They even invert. So what happens then is the market says, "Please, it's the screaming baby now. 
give me grain now. If you hold it from me, I'm not even, it's going to be less out in, in May. If you hold it till then, it'll be less. I will penalize you. So basis trader says, I can't carry grain in this environment because I'll be penalized that much. There we go. So, so now the market says, give us grain now. So that's the, the offer at that point today is give us grain now. If you don't, you are about to lose money because there's an inverse. And so at that point, you can change your plans and you can say, no, nope, market needs it now. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And you say, well, yeah, you got a 26 cent carry. You, you take that off at an inverse. You're going to pick up, you know, 30 cents or whatever it is. Um, and true, but you were, that is just because you were doing what the market needed. The market needed you to carry grain. So you said, okay, then it needed you to give it to them sooner. So you did. And, and why, if you looked at their futures account, it looks like, oh, they put on a spread and they took it off, but it, it was completely backed up with the plan to carry grain, not yep. carry grain, all that. Sure. And you know, there, there's a good point to be made too about, you don't have to experience a crop loss to have inversions in the market or to 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 utilize them. Um, just like, well, I talked about, you know, the old summertime bean markets, but I'm thinking corn in the south. You know, most guys south of, I don't know where the line is, the Missouri, Arkansas, state line, east, west from there, south, roughly. Uh, south of there. Most corn buyers are, are bidding versus a set for new crop corn. It comes off in August or, you know, thereabouts. And um, a lot of years, well out ahead of the time, probably a year or two out, Septi's corn trades at flat or inverted structure. And the way I'd manage that, and I know a lot of southern corn merchandisers do, if you're buying versus a set and you expect or your history says, I'm going to take in a lot more corn at harvest than I can physically Hand the store. I'll have to move some. You're going to have to turn and burn some bushels at harvest. And I'm going to be buying versus you, and I know I'm probably going to be selling versus you. Buyers are going to be bidding versus you for August set delivery ahead of time too, just like everybody else. But you'd see times when set decent might get down to a ten cent inversion. Why? Well, the, the main reason is the the bulk of the market treats set decent as an old crop spread. Until we get into the summertime and every year it's like, oh, we realize the South grows corn and September's actually do crop again. And we start this crazy cycle over again. But that, that's the perspective. It's a transition spread. And so SEPD, say you lock it in a 10 cent inversion. And the way I managed that was I would try to figure out how much corn that I was going to have to move at harvest and make a sale versus a set to move that was going to be over and above what I was going to get bought versus a set by then. Um, and set that amount because if I've got a sell on versus the SEP and I don't have enough purchases to cover it yet, well, what happens at the end of August, in the middle of harvest, while bushels are coming in? I've got to roll my long futures over to the DEES. i got to roll my sell because let's say I haven't got it bought in yet. Mm-hmm. Well, a carry penalizes me. It lowers my sell basis. So I was locking it at, a, at, a, at an even or an inverted basis to to protect that or even add to it going forward. So that that was a big thing. And, and I think it take a time out here to bear in mind, too, when you're talking spreads, how does it affect basis? Because we always talk about from the nearby moving forward. And it doesn't matter if it's buy basis, sell basis, it's basis in general. If there is a carry structure in the market, basis will always get lower through time. Always get lower through time. So obviously you want to have the basis owned as you go into a carry market. 
Conversely, an inverted market basis gets higher with time. So if you would like to sell basis ahead, say on price later or something, or in a case where you know you're going to just going to get it sold before you buy it, but it's a slot where you're going to get it bought in, say at harvest, and get that set because your basis is going to get higher through time when you roll it. So again, that's, that's how you look at it. The future structure tells you the market's desires. It, like Jason said, any given day, here's what the market believes about the upcoming 24 months or whatever it is. So for a for a, a grain elevator, that's that's a hedging basis trading elevator. Spreads are needed because basis doesn't move a whole lot in, in a year's time. You know, a lot of a lot of markets, it's thirty forty cents maybe mm-hmm. for the entire year uh, if you include spread. So since it has to, since it takes a long time for that to happen, you you have to usually buy against one month and sell against a different month. So a spread has to happen. The spread is a connector that makes that happen. And so you can manage, it needs to be managed, my opinion. I think Roger's opinion also. Absolutely. Uh, it needs to be managed as as its own thing to to help the to help your basis position because you're it's gonna have to be executed to connect the buy and the sell. So make sure it's what it needs to be, carry inverse, whatever, and uh, and keep it there. So using targets, all that stuff for a basis trader. From from the farming standpoint, is it's a don't let it be an indicator of price to you and but do let it be an indicator of of how far I need to be selling ahead to take advantage of it um, so a couple of big points and and in trying to keep you guys in under our general time format we should we should wrap up for the day there's a lot more to talk about mm-hmm. with spreads and we intend to there are some changes coming this fall with uh, the CME has changed some storage rates and stuff so um, that's going to impact things in uh, for everybody, and we want to talk about that a little more. We got some people maybe that we can we can uh, some experts that we can we can get on the on the podcast They're from and talk further about than that. fifty miles away. That's right. So we're looking forward to that, yeah. and and uh, but we'll do more uh, just on maybe we'll do a whole one on on inverses and stuff. Right. But, you know. Yeah, like you said, there's all kinds of things. How does your accountant look at it? How does your banker look? Do they finance oh, yeah. per- all these things? How does it impact your in financials if they're pre-spreads? There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can dig into, but like Jay said, for the sake of time, Randy's getting an- antsy over here. It's Fridays, trying to trying to get back and do the weekend thing. So, <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, so we'll delve for sure more than we've delved. This is a zeitgeist today. of every year. So, so we'll we'll delve, but only if it's entertaining. Uh, we don't want to. This is not about boring you. So, you know. For me, the accounting side, I don't know how, how much we can get into it. We'll have, an, we'll have to have an entertaining person on here uh, to do that. Yeah, someone in mind. Okay. Um, all right. Well, so I, I would like to say I, I know we didn't um, – we, we've ha- encountered some financial issues on the podcast in that we've been bringing a lot of revenue lately from sponsors. And we're kind of set up as a, uh, a co-op, if you will, that is upset if we bring in too much money. <laughs> we're supposed to break even on this shindig, right? Um, okay, tongue-in-cheek, firmly, is in my cheek. But anyways, so we didn't have a, have a sponsor today in, in an effort I to— I thought Randy lost it all in Bitcoin. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what it was. But we didn't have one today, so— um, so that's why. Uh, don't worry about us. We're fine. We'll probably have a sponsor next episode, but we just didn't want to 
get ahead of ourselves. We're like Scrooge McDuck over here, summoning all this sponsor money uh, so far. So, anyways, but we appreciate you, the listener, listening to this, and you, the uh, Twitter. Uh, account haver <laughs> that are tweeting at us and uh, <laughs> direct messaging us and stuff. It's really cool. We appreciate it. Follow us at Elevators Cut on Twitter. Leave the the out, right? It's just it, at it'll Elevators follow. It's Cut. a smart machine. It knows what you're looking for. <laughs> Go on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Download the episodes like you're listening here. Download them. Leave us some stars. Give us the stars. Give us the ratings. All they'll let you give. Tell us what you think, name. as long as it's good. And uh, tell your friends. Spread the word. I, I hear we get a good, pretty good following up in North Dakota right now, uh, both in the farm and grain community. And, and uh, my Twitter follows have verified that as much. So it's really cool that uh, we're getting, uh, getting some pretty good uh, tribal activity uh, up there. So uh, I think um, this is just going to keep... Uh, Keep building, and uh, thank you guys for your help making it a success. This is for y'all. Yeah, and remember, uh, one other thing is subscribe to the podcast. So it'll just, I, I think, depending on your settings and stuff, I, I think my phone, it'll like automatically download a bunch of episodes like once a week or twice a week or something. So do that, and then you'll be kept uh, abreast of, of all our new shows. And uh, so we thank everybody for listening, except for Saskatchewan. We do not thank you right now. We'd like to thank you, but... You still haven't downloaded any of our episodes. We, we've Our map, Randy shows us these colored maps of where everybody's listening, and it's just all so colorful all over North America, except for... It's a big gray zone. Saskatchewan. Yeah. And we're, we're really offended. But, so tell your friends in Saskatchewan that we, we do care about them, and we'd love to, to uh, have them listen and download. But anyways, this... <laughs> Maybe because we need to do some Canadian-focused episodes. Maybe. Maybe we'll come record from Saskatchewan just so our phones will be in that zone and we'll download our own podcast up there. Smart. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. So, appreciate it again for listening. And uh, so, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevators Cut. Out. Oh.